Welcome to the Genuinely You podcast channel, which is packed with advice and tips on how to live your life with purpose. Do you wish you felt happy and fulfilled? Are you feeling stuck, wishing things could be better? Are you ready to take some action and create the life you want? To start living an empowered life, you need to recognize and make full use of the power and freedom that comes from being genuinely you. Your host is Gina Gardner, a number one best-selling author whose whole life has been about supporting people to achieve personal empowerment, helping people just like you recognize that they can. Hello there, my name's Gina Gardner and I'm your host on Passionate World Radio today. I'm joined by my good friend Rachel Davidson and both of us are international best-selling authors. Those of you that are used to listening to our show will know that we take part in a, a discussion about a theme. And today's theme is around core values, something that most of us don't even think about, but mm. actually they're underpinning the very fabric of our lives. Mm. So we'd like to spend the next half an hour talking about what are our core values and mm. what, what impact do they have on our life generally and also when things are going wrong. Many people will have a slightly different take on what a core value is. Yeah. So I think it would be worth setting up our definition before we start. Yeah, okay. And for me a core value is that intrinsic sense of what's right and wrong. Mm. Those things that which we hold dear that mm. are really important to us and that we need other people to behave in a way that does not compromise those mm. and of course it goes without saying mm. we need to behave in a way that doesn't compromise them either yes when we are in a situation where our core values are compromised it causes huge amounts of heartache upset frustration anger anxiety yes it's as if we have been assaulted Yes. And in reality, I suppose we have our core values have been in some way threatened. Yes. And so it's really important, I think, particularly when you're dealing with personal relationships. And if you're a leader, make no mistake, having an understanding of what your core values are, the core values of your company mm. and of your team is really important because if they're aligned then your team and the company will fly. Yes. If they're not aligned, mm. then it causes stress, it causes um, mm. arguments, difficulty, um, and ultimately can have a huge impact on not only your quality of life along the way, but on your bottom line and your profit margins, mm. your productivity and so on. Yes, yes. So, core values. And one of the things I think we need to make the distinction is what's a core value and what are the the processes, what's the, yes. um, the underpinning um, processes that we need to have in place to believe that those have been satisfied. Yes, yes. So a core value, those things which you hold dear. And I suppose for me, I was on a course with Anthony Robbins, this is some years ago, mm -hmm. and we were asked to identify what our core values were. Ah. Now, before I talk about what I did, I think it's important to explain at that time I was completely wheelchair bound. Right. Um, my health was not great. Mm. 
And I did my core values and we were asked to identify all of those things which were really, really important to us. Okay. Things, for me, things like um, freedom, integrity, mm. love, mm -hmm. compassion, yeah. kindness, and so on. Yeah. And then we had to prioritise our top ten. Right. And what I found was pointed out to me, because I didn't notice, that on my bid list, mm. nor on my top ten... Mm. Did anywhere health appear? Right. Now, right. I found that quite interesting, particularly as my way of dealing with pain at that time was to be a workaholic. Okay. Because the more I worked and the more I was focused on something that I really enjoyed, yes. the less physical pain yeah. that I actually experienced. So the more you engaged your brain and your mental facilities, the yep. less concentration and awareness went into your physical. And so... It's not surprising that my health was deteriorating mm. because my my way of dealing with my strong suit, if you like, the pattern of behaviour that I was using right. was actually contributing to the deterioration of my health. So in, in pointing this out to you, this missing value, yep. uh, as, as they put it to you, you haven't put it on your list. Were they, were they trying to... Were they, they were surprised by the sounds of it. They were like... Very. What... Sort of the conversation in their head was, why would a woman in a wheelchair not put health as the top of her value list? Well, particularly as being in the wheelchair was only one of the health issues that I was facing. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I was quite surprised when it was pointed out to me. And mm. it became, you know, why hasn't it been on the list? Right. And yet the fact that I didn't value my health enough to make sure that the behaviours that I was... Um, was engaged in yes supported better health i think is at the crux of the matter so what would be interesting is if you could travel back in time prior to your accident um which led to you being in the wheelchair whether if somebody had asked you prior to that was health on your top 10 values whether you would have nodded vociferously yes. and said yes or whether you would have said no so so i wonder what was was it the chicken on the egg which I have no idea, first, and yeah. my my suspicion is it probably wouldn't have done. Right. Like so many people, I take or took my health for granted. Yes. And how many people only start to look after themselves after they've got a diagnosis of something nasty? Or and have that's a health interesting, scare. isn't it? Because I think in in learning to understand what our values are at your core, this sense of, you know, this description of, just tell me what's important. Well, what does important mean? And you have to go through a think, a thought process, a feeling process of, what, what does important mean to me? And I think a lot of times you only really come to understand that this is a value of yours when the opposite of it has happened. Absolutely. And you've been really stressed or pushed to the limit by something. And often, even then, you don't actually unpick what's at the the mm. real epicenter of what's going on yeah. people deal with the with the symptoms rather than the cause yes. i'm feeling stressed i'm feeling anxious i'm frustrated i'm angry yes and it may be that they latch onto a particular incident but they don't actually recognize that underneath that incident that something or someone mm. has actually in some way um worked against what are your core values mm. and it was at that point that I recognized there was huge value in knowing what our core values are because most people mm. 
yeah. unless push comes to shove, they don't actually know what they are. So, so I, I am very aware that um, my children, when pushed to ask what the, you know, what their values are, would struggle. And they would struggle not just because of their youth and the fact that life hasn't tested yes. their, their metal, so to speak. But I think they would struggle in that it isn't really, I don't believe, spoken about towards children. Not Well, I don't think it's spoken about at all. No, I think it's a very adult thing. And maybe that's a natural thing of, of sort of, you know, growth and maturity. And you come to a point where you do start to say, well who am I and what are my values? And you start doing this introspection because, but I don't believe that a baby comes out of the, out of the womb without values. I believe that there are some intrinsic human, human, I don't know. Let's test this. Do you think that, or do you think you learn to have values by, by your experiences? I think when you're very tiny, you just embody them. Uh And I think it's when your system of beliefs gets imposed onto that, Babies just know that they're loved mm-hmm. and that they are capable of loving and of being loved. Mm-hmm. They know that they're perfect. Mm-hmm. It's only when the adults around them, other children, start mm-hmm. to make comments and they see, t- they observe other people making comments and making judgments mm-hmm. that we that those beliefs get um, developed and installed. And I think that you go through a period of, in your life where I think it would make huge sense once children are capable of abstract thought, yes. which for most children would be between seven and eight. Yes. Some do it much earlier but and some much later, but I would mm. say on average between seven and eight when they can read beyond the literal. Mm. You can start to talk about values because they are, in essence, an abstract. Yes. So talking about faith, fidelity, trust, compassion, kindness, beauty, Mm. creativity, those things, um, they can see the outcome of those, Mm. but understanding them as an abstract um, thought, they've got to have that intellectual capacity to do that. Yes. Yes. Prior to that, they would feel the impact of it not being in place. Mm. So children learn okay, very, yeah. very early if they can trust the adults around them. Yes. They okay. learn very, very early. I don't know if may not have been um, old enough, but in the eight, 70s and 80s, there was a lot on the media in the UK about babies in Romania who were put into these yes. monumental um, orphanages yes. and very quickly learned there was no point in crying because nobody was going to come. Mm. But actually, there was there was they didn't trust humans because they were not given any sense of kindness and mm. love and care. Yeah. But and children are will will be absorbing those judgments and creating their own reality mm. from very very early on. Mm. So we have our intrinsic set of values. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right in what you were saying earlier. It's when those values are compromised that we recognise that something isn't right. It brings them into focus, doesn't it? And mm. But it may not actually bring the value into focus. It mm. brings the discomfort into focus. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think it would be very sensible for us to talk to children much more about core values. Mm. Fam- what are the values of this family? Mm, yeah. And that would be useful when there's peer pressure. 
Yes. Your friends may do that, but in this family, yes, we believe that this is important. Yes, and most people would th- think of that or approach that that um, that ideology with, with the with the phrase you know good parenting in mind. You know, sort of you know being brought up well and and all of these things. And that's entirely valid, isn't it? Yes. That that um, that actually probably. Uh, the job of being a parent, as well as obviously keeping them fed and warm and a safe roof over their heads, the the only other job you've really got is is to give them a, a good framework of values uh, upon which they can hang their life, their successes and their hopes and dreams. Um, and and I'm not sure how much that can actually be lectured to children and how much of it has to be demonstrated. I think, you know, we were talking before we started recording today about the difference between principles mm. and values. Yeah, what is the difference between a principle and a value? Well, I don't know if my explanation is correct, but it's certainly the one that I work with, is that the principles are, the, in a sense, the behaviours that are demonstrated in order yeah. to know that that value is being met or not. Yes. But if you look, I, I did a, quite a lot of work with children who were in care. Mm. You look at, at, for them, the adults creating a, a, a safe framework from them to, for them to um, establish their own set of core values, uh-huh. very often that's hugely compromised. Yes. That, you know, learning to trust somebody, that somebody will care for you, that you will be protected. Yes. For many of these youngsters is compromised at an incredibly young age. Yes. And what they learn is that chaos uh-huh. is their security. Yes. Because that's what they've been used to. It's like the default setting. It is indeed. And it takes a lot of work on their part and on hopefully others, Mm. although that's a whole different programme, that they can learn that actually there are adults who can be trusted. There are adults who are loving. Mm -hmm. There are adults for all sorts of, uh, you know, can can be a positive influence in their, Mm. their lives. And many of these children have had a really difficult start in life mm. and we know that from the statistics that in the UK if you're a child that goes into foster care or into a children's home mm. if you're a boy you're 66 percent uh, times more likely to end up in the prison system wow and if you are a girl your children it's about 62 percent uh, 62 times more likely to go into care wow their life chances in terms of their examinations are hugely reduced. Right. So if you like, that gives you the opposite side of children who are nurtured and loved. I mean, parents often get it wrong, but they get more right than they get wrong. Yeah. But children who are passed from place to place who don't form those relationships, who aren't given a consistent message around mm. core values, mm. really struggle. Mm. Yes. But when we're talking about core values, I'd like to spend a bit of time talking about that in the professional context. Right. Because I work a lot with companies, as you know, mm-hmm. and work with the development of, of leadership and, and potential. Yeah. And one of the things that there's often a mismatch in is that the expectation that people think that they've made explicit and what other people take as expectation. And I've... I recognise that one of the things that happens is that we use these very high-level words like mm. excellence, like yeah. um, hard work, yeah. <clears throat> um, and those are 
values mm-hmm. and we assume that everybody else's version mm. of what that looks like yeah. is the same yeah and actually it's not no no an interpretation of excellence in one mind can be completely different in another and i believe one of the reasons for the my school's great success mm. was that we had an institutional version mm. of excellence looks what it looks like mm. and if you're teaching what are the components of teaching? Mm. What does excellence look like in this situation, in that situation, in that situation? Yeah. What's the difference between good and excellence? So you were describing specific behaviours. Yes, that you would expect to see or yes. not to see. Yes. But not in a way that made it that people automatons, no. quite the opposite, that once people had an understanding of um, what, excellence was seen as yes and measured by yes then they could achieve that in a whole range of different ways yes because i think once once you've sort of got got a bit of a hook onto what is a good behavior that meets this value word excellence being the one that we're discussing versus a bad behavior that is goes against it then i think it's easy for the human brain to synthesize what you know similar behaviors similar approaches yeah. would would sort of fall into either camp just as fundamental for me was the professional conversation mm-hmm. that actually talked about these things rather yeah. than making assumptions yes because so many people think i've told you so you why is it you don't understand yeah when actually what they've said and what's been heard and interpreted are two different things. Yes. And that's a problem not just in the workplace, but very particularly in personal relationships. Yeah. You know, I think I may have used this example before, but it's such a powerful one. Working with a couple who were not getting on at all, Mm -hmm. um, where they talked about their values and they identified their values and top of both of their lists was the word love. Right. And I asked, what needs to happen for you to feel loved? Mm. And the wife talked about, I want him to buy me flowers. Mm. And the guy, very, very indignant, I buy you flowers every Friday. Mm. No, you don't. You put them in the trolley. That's not buying me flowers. Ah. Now, the guy actually took... um, to start with, very indignant, but mm. actually then recognised, and his words were, you're right, because I'm giving it no more thought than I would a tin of beans. Yes. And I think, you know, if you're in a, a partnership, whether it's um, within, a, you know, with your parents mm. or whether you're, your children or, or your uh, significant other, mm. understanding what are the values that are important, mm. and they don't have to be the same necessarily. Yeah. But understanding what behaviours the other person needs to experience in order for that value to be um, really delivered, if you like, yeah, um, is incredibly important. And when it's not, yes, that is the kiss of death to any relationship. Yes, because that sets up anger, frustration, resentment, disappointment, yeah. and yes. so on. Yes, yeah, and that's that's. Uh... That's toxic and, and would, takes a lot of hard work to come back from once those um, elements have started to really sink in and, um, and concrete themselves within a relationship. Yeah. So I would ask our listeners to think about what are your values mm. and to start with, 
just brainstorm what they are. You can actually go on the internet and find a whole list of values. Uh, and it's quite a useful starting point because many people, when you say, to them, what are the things that are really important to you? Uh, they say, my mind's gone blank. I can't think of anything. Uh, Whereas you can go through the list and identify those and just have a big list to start with. And and presumably, I mean, I can't remember the last process that, that, I, that I was sort of taken through to figure out what my values is, but I suppose the question you're asking yourself when you see this list of, of uh, words is, which one jumps out at you? Which yep. one makes you go, oh yeah? Or which ones make you think, meh, not that bothered? It's, it's literally that sort of simplistic a process. But then comes the, I think, the... Um, the real juice mm. is that you start you just make a list of those and then start to compare so let's say you've got love fidelity um and freedom mm -hmm. just for argument's sake and we want to put those in order of importance mm. you ask yourself is love more important to me than freedom mm. which would i put first mm. and score it a naught or a one mm, okay yeah is love or what was the, the other one I, I used? Uh, freedom. Freedom. Fidelity. fidelity. Mm -hmm. Is love or fidelity more important to me? Mm -hmm. And you go through um, and just score all of those each time love against them. Mm. And then you know freedom against them. Mm. Then fidelity against them. So that you end up with a numerical score mm. of which are your most important ones. Okay. And one of the reasons that I suggest it's quite important to actually structure it in this way mm. is not the score and it's not no. actually where it comes in the pecking order no. it just gives your mind an opportunity to play with these concepts mm. which may seem too big yes and by doing the exercise in the way that i suggest you make it manageable yes, yes. but out of it you start to see what really is important yes the next thing I would suggest that our listeners do is to think about those situations in your life which have really angered you or frustrated you. Mm. Many people are frightened of anger. And I would say it's how you mm. manifest that anger yeah, yeah. that you need to be aware of. Yeah. But for me, anger is usually a sign that something is actually working against our values. Yes. I really believe that, that anger is, like every emotion, is just, you know, a message. It's a message. A that sign that something to. needs sorting. Yes. Yeah. Um, and once you know what your values are, it's actually easier to pinpoint what's the cause of your anger. And then you have a choice whether you can deal with it, do something different, or whether you can change the way in which you react to it. Now you see that that really makes me smile, begin to smile because um, my belief, one of my values, is that in in having a clarity of of my value system, um, I am a much freer person because of it. I would agree. But I have heard people describe to me a point of view that is, um, oh, it's just too, it's just too much hard work and self introspection and why do I have to put the work in? And then having to live this, this you know, edict, this uh, mantra, oh, it feels like hard work. Now, I know what I said to those people in the moment, but I'm interested in what you would say. Well, the first thing, everything you do is a choice. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, if you don't want to invest that time in yourself, mm. that's your choice. Mm -hmm. But then don't be surprised when suddenly something happens and it, comes and bites you in the bottom yeah. uh, and takes you unawares. Yeah. 
The other thing is, I think the more aware, self-aware you are, as long as the self-awareness is done in a positive and constructive way, yeah. this is not about finding fault, finding criticism mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. It is about looking at what are the things that, you know, what are the underpinning um, currents that are going on in your life. Mm. It's useful to know those mm. in order then that you can navigate the river. Yes, because there are lots and lots of values. I, I'm slightly minded, I don't know why, slightly sort of left field, but there is this code of honour amongst thieves, isn't there? Where the thieves... You mustn't grasp them up. No, but the, the thieves are fundamentally working against what many people's values would be, which is, yep. you know, honesty, and they're doing the opposite and being dishonest. But even in that, they have an honour amongst them. Absolutely. So, so you know, you might choose to um, to to acknowledge potentially one might choose to acknowledge that some of your values are in the grand scheme of things not great in terms of what the general society would do but still in acknowledging it to yourself there is freedom and power in it isn't there well you choose either to keep them yet or to readjust them or to change them or to ditch them because surely the worst case scenario is to be a a kind of person who is perhaps has a propensity to not be that bothered about honesty, for instance, to have a value where it is about uh, achieving what they want and the cost to others doesn't matter to them. The worst case of all is to have somebody like that who is unaware and unthinking about it. The person that feels that way and is aware of it has at least the opportunity to say, well, okay, that might be a value of mine that, that I come above everybody else, but... Perhaps I can use that to, to be less destructive within society. I think the, the key is the thinking bit. The thinking, the self-awareness And bit. ultimately, there are some people who are self-absorbed. Yes. And I think there's a huge difference between being self-aware and self-absorbed. Ah, yes. Okay. Um, I find it quite interesting when you hear through the media or you read of people, for example, who've gone to prison, mm. who have done some things which for most people would be seen as being completely outside their set of values, Yes, who recognise that what they've done is wrong and spend the rest of their lives trying to make amends mm. for mm. the murder or for mm. stealing or whatever. Mm. And yet there are other people who are have who are amoral, mm. who their va only value is that whatever I want to do, that's okay, and it doesn't matter who's collateral damage. Mm. And so I would like to sort of spend the last few minutes of our show today thinking about how we live in a world where many people have a set of values which say, it is all right to kill so long as we have a belief that we're right and you're wrong. Yes. And if you look around the world, there are conflicts everywhere which are based on you're different, therefore you're a threat. Yes, you, you must be extinguished. Yes, and that is something that I think that many people are becoming more aware that there is a need and um, that a rightness around celebrating our similarities but actually just as important oh. are embracing diversity yes and actually looking for a way to live from love rather than from hate yes to actually make a fundamental difference and that they are partly um moving along uh, if you for want of a better expression a, a spiritual path which is about connectivity 
Yes. It's about you know recognizing that we each have our part to play. Yes. And I, you know, even though it might seem very minimal and small, mm. that if all of us played that part and we sorted out ourselves mm. and our relationship with ourselves mm. and with the people around us and then our community, that would explode across the globe. Yes. If everybody was doing it, or if a large proportion of people were actually seeking to make it a positive difference. Yes. And live in harmony. Yes. Because I think ultimately freedom comes from harmony. Yes, and I think also societal harmony is further improved if the individuals within that society all um, live to a value which is I am responsible for myself and so if I want to make my life better I have to act in a way to do that and in doing so make the lives of those around you better and I think that's the crux of it because there are some people I want to make my life better so blow everybody else yeah and it's quite the opposite that we're talking yes. about that it's yes. in the context of serving one's needs but not at the expense of other people Absolutely. and I like to see it as a, yeah. as a, a you know the old-fashioned scales don't treat yeah. yourself any better or any worse but treat your yourself as you would a valued friend and yes. then treat other people as you would a valued friend yes um that ultimately that living from a place where you want um to live in harmony you want to live from a place where fear is something that is relegated to those situations which um are mm. you know being mm in the moment of survival yes. rather than living generally from a place of fear and suspicion of people who are around you. Yes, yes. We'd love to know what you think. Please do contact us through the radio show or through the website, which is www.genuinely-u.com. Please let us know what you think. Give us ideas for new shows. Mm -hmm. um, and let us know what your values are. You know, what are your top ten? Oh. Um, we'd love to know. You can also get a, a free digital download of my latest best-selling book, Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success and Fulfillment. Rachel's book, The Point of Me, great book, is available on Amazon. That's Rachel Davidson. So thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we really appreciate your time and look forward to seeing you on another show. This is Gina Gardner here signing out from Passionate World Radio. Take care. Bye now. You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work, spanning over 30 years of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-you.com today to find out more.